Welcome, those of you that like sports. This is What's Up Doc, episode 17, retry, because we recorded episode 17 last week and then we had technical issues and so we uh, had to scrap all of our episodes last week. Uh, we will not call out the culprit, but it, it happens. Wi-Fi issues happen, connection issues happen. It's okay, but uh, join, I am joined by uh, Dan Driscoll and John Michael is on a cruise. And so we brought in a guest speaker for episode 17 and episode 18, so be excited. We got Alex Pichardo, a.k.a. Picho, a.k.a. Joseph Alex, a.k.a. whatever other name that he has because he has a lot of names. But we love him. How are you feeling about being on the podcast, Picho? Dude, I, I'm pretty excited to join you guys. Uh, after listening to the MLB episode you guys did, I've been itching to get on because I was name dropped twice. That's right. That's right. That's because we know how much you love baseball, Picho. Uh, but we had to have Robbie as our first guest on the podcast, and so we were happy to have him on. Um, but we're excited for what you're going to bring as far as this baseball conversation goes. Dan, how are you feeling? Listen, you didn't at me, but I will go ahead and at myself. <laughs> but more importantly, Summit Broadband for just being a terrible organization, probably worse than the Pittsburgh Pirates in terms of management. Oh, man. <laughs> um, look, the people, honestly, Nick, you were spared because we need to address. I don't know if we're ever going to do another top 10 running backs list. But for no, the record, no, no. Nick <laughs> forgot that Jonathan Taylor existed. Didn't even crack his top 10. And it was just a shame. I, I'm pretty sure that Nick just decided not to release the episode. No, because he not... was outed there as were... being a fair weather football player. <laughs> no, being on the Indianapolis Colts is hard enough. Like it's Yeah, like, exactly. It's Andy got hard. hurt last year. Look, I had a good reason for not including him on my list the reason was i looked at last year's stats and he wasn't anywhere on there and so that's my <laughs> fault um it just so happened that we could not release the episode so i was sort of saved by that but i own it uh i even said it in that episode maybe one day i'll go back and grab the cuts and put it in somewhere but uh, i own that i completely forgot about him you guys were flabbergasted that i left him off the list and so i own that i own that uh, you know, I'm excited for this week. I'm excited to, to talk more baseball. We're going to kind of dive into some more of those uh, conversations we had uh, the first time with Robbie. And uh, yeah, it's going to be great. So let's just go ahead and dive into it. All right. So we brought Picho on because he knows baseball. He might know more baseball than Robbie. Uh, Robbie, if you're listening, we love you, and we're glad that you could be the first one to talk baseball on this podcast, so that will never change. But, Picho, I know you listened to the episode, and so you got a lot of things to bring up, and I'm excited. Uh, I kind of want to start where we've probably spent a lot of the time, which was the salary cap thing in baseball, and I'd love to know your take on what you... Do you like the salary cap for baseball? Do you think there should be a cap? There's currently not one, but go ahead. Tell us your opinion. All right, so that's that's where my issue starts. Um, so I, I love Robbie, love the job that he did, have no issues with what he did, but there was an entire conversation around MLB's lack of a salary cap. Not a single time did the luxury tax or the competitive balance tax get brought up, which is a de facto salary cap in major league baseball. Uh, ah. it, it's just, it doesn't go by the official naming of salary cap because teams can still exceed that number. Um, but it does exist, and, and the purpose of it existing actually accomplishes the parity that the salary cap, the hard number, would claim that it accomplishes. Mm, okay. So, yeah. so explain it, though, for someone like me who I know what a luxury tax is because it happens in like the NBA and the NFL, but you don't see it used as much. Uh, so how exactly does it help in baseball? Because 
a lot of times I see a stat like the Marlins are whatever their record is because I uh, checked it at the All-Star break and I haven't checked it since. I know they had a losing streak, but I know they're still in the playoff hunt. Uh, but they have a very small salary cap. And then they show someone like the Mets who have like three to four times a salary cap. So how is that, you know, how does that keep things balanced? Yeah, so the salary cap operates or, or the luxury tax operates differently and that teams can still exceed it. So right now you have uh, the number for the 2023 season set at $233 million. And, and that's the number, again, that you can exceed if, if you're a team that chooses to do so. Um, but after you exceed that come certain taxes on the overages. So that first bracket is a 20% tax on the overage if it's your first year exceeding 233. If it's your second year exceeding 233, you pay a 30% tax on those overages. And any year after that successively spent over 233, you pay a 50% tax on any of those overages. Um, if you exceed that number by uh, 20 to $40 million, an additional 12% is thrown on there. Uh, if you exceed it uh, by more than $40 million, an additional 45% tax is thrown on there. So you get teams like the New York Yankees and the Los Angeles Dodgers that have spent multiple years over this number and over this number by a lot, paying hefty fines to uh, the league because of how far they are exceeding uh, the luxury tax. Um, I think it actually, in, I don't, I don't know if it necessarily increases parity, but it definitely keeps things more uh, competitive. Because uh, right now you got the Mets who are spending three forty-five, uh, the New York Yankees who are spending two seventy-eight, San Diego at two forty-six, Philly at two forty-two, uh, and the Dodgers at two thirty-seven. Now, those are all the teams that are over that two thirty-three. I mean, spending two twenty-two like the Los Angeles Angels is still a lot. Uh, they're clearly going all in, going all after it, uh, but it's not working out for them. And, and much like them, a lot of the teams that are actually exceeding the 233 threshold, uh, you have a lot of teams that aren't doing so hot. The Mets, who are at the top of that list, are currently fourth in their division, and, and they're a ways back. The Yankees are fifth in the AL East, and they're spending a lot. San Diego's fourth, uh, Philly is second. But I would actually say that the 242 that they're spending may actually be worth it uh, just because the division they're in, uh, the NL East, is going to be difficult to win for the next several years given the Atlanta Braves and the run that they are on. Uh, but uh, all the teams that are spending over 233, with the exception of the Dodgers, are not in first place. So spending more doesn't necessarily equal winning more, at least in baseball. Okay. Yeah. I mean, look, this is info that I did not know. Uh, I still think that do you, would you agree that smaller markets are still hurt by there not being like a cap and them knowing how much them not having the same amount of money to spend as other teams? Cause the Marlins will never spend $233 million. Right. I, I understand what you're saying, but I don't think that the Miami Marlins or the Pittsburgh's uh, pirates are going to spend all this extra money simply because there is a cap. I think a lot of it does come down to the way that they are managed. Some of them are managed very poorly, like the pirates. 
Sorry, Dan. Uh, but I don't think that's the truth. I don't, <laughs> I don't think they're spending more money just because they can, or because there's a cap. I think even if there was a cap, the smaller markets are still only spending $69 million, which is what the pirates are spending. Miami is right there at 199, which is still a lot. It's oh, okay. Lot. I didn't realize they spent so much. Yeah. They're above league average, but I mean, are they? Yeah. Yeah. They are above league average, but I don't think they're spending more just because other teams can't. Yeah. Well, so Dan, would, is there anything you want to add real quick before I bring up a, a something? No. Okay. No, I mean, I think we can, I, I think that bringing up the fact that just because these guys have, you know, you, I mean, Pichot brought them up like the Mets, you know, all the teams that are in the top, you know, you know, like the top five, right? Like very few of those teams have a secured spot in the playoffs right now. So just because you're paying all that money doesn't guarantee anything, but certainly we can argue that that kind of limits what type of, talent is coming through your through your club yeah yeah i just i so my thing is is i understand that if they just because there's a cap doesn't mean that teams are going to spend that much but it would more be the premise that teams have that much to spend and then yes there'd be teams that spend under the cap but they wouldn't spend so significantly under the cap like you know there are years in the the nfl or the nba where there are teams that are significant like they're under the cap but everyone's generally around the same amount as far as how much they're paying their collective team, right? Uh, and I just feel like there's such a disparity in baseball that doing some sort of cap where the revenue is shared amongst teams and it's not like the big markets get all the extra money uh, and it's instead like a team like Pittsburgh can go spend 230 and a team like Miami, who normally doesn't spend a lot, you know, can spend 230 or any of these smaller markets, you know, because really it brings on some parity and you get to see stars on different teams. You know, if you look in the NBA, the last five champions barring the warriors in there are smaller uh, and the Lakers, sorry, are smaller markets, right? You have Toronto, uh, Milwaukee and Denver are three of the last five champions in the NBA. And so you have these smaller market teams that have a chance because they have enough money because the league provides them with a, with the funds and says, here's your cap. Don't go over it. If you do, you do have to pay these extra fines um, that are based on extra revenue that you make. So that I just feel like, you know, you kind of give the, the little guy a fighting chance uh, when you allow the wealth to be spread throughout all the teams instead of letting them decide based on how much their own team brings in. And you don't get as big of a like, you know, so maybe some of these stars in the MLB would stay with their team for longer and not go to like the Yankees. I mean, I know show we'll get into Shohei Otani. He's with the angels, but I know there's been talks of him go, like moving on from them and going to one of these bigger market teams because he'd be able to get paid more and possibly win more. But uh, what do you have to say to that? Yeah. I mean, I hear that. Uh, I, I think in a perfect world, we would see a salary cap definitely increase competitiveness across the league. But I think in baseball, the way it is right now, uh, you have more teams that have a shot the way that it is. Uh, like since the year 2000, if we're looking since the year 2000, Major League Baseball has more unique winners. More individual teams have won a World Series than in the NBA. Uh, okay. Like, so my question that I brought up, because I would assume that you would bring, I did assume that you would bring up the NBA. So my question <laughs> is, since the year 2000, other than the 04 Pistons, 
can you name a small market team that won that did not have a generational talent on the team? Small market team that won without a generational talent. That's right. not the 2004 Pistons. Right. Uh, so I'll give that one to you. That's the exception. Yeah, because they are the exception. Right. Uh... Because I, I understand. Now, I don't know if I don't think there is one there. If if there would have been one, it would have been either of the Heat teams, either in the bubble or this year, because they don't have a generational talent. Are they small market though? Is Miami small? <sighs> no, it's not. So you have me there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So since two thousand, Major League Baseball has fifteen unique teams that have won, and sure, you have uh, the Red Sox who have won three uh, since two thousand. You have. Uh, Gosh, the San Francisco Giants who went on a run there, who won the mm-hmm. World Series every two years over the course yeah. of six years. Uh, but, I mean, we've also had teams like the uh, Kansas City Royals that came out of nowhere for two straight years. They were in the World Series, and then they won it that second year. I just think there's more competitiveness in Major League Baseball the way it's structured. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, part of that part of that is the sport, though. Like Right. T- baseball is more of a team sport than basketball is when you're one of 20. You, I mean, I know it's nine that play, but if, if it's, if you're one of 20 guys that play over the course of a couple games compared to one of seven, like, you know, the generational talent is going to make the difference. And so really the thing for the NBA, I'd say is that these smaller markets can keep their generational talent because they have the money to pay them. Like Milwaukee would not generate the revenue that the Lakers do, and so the Lakers, if they if they if they if it was in the same sense of the MLB, would be able to pay you know four max contract guys, and in the NBA that would be that would be busted. I mean, we saw it with Golden State when they had essentially four All Stars. I mean, Draymond at the time was playing great, and then you had KD, Steph, and Clay, and that was just with guys taking less money. That wasn't even you know, I, you know they finagled the cap that way, but. It wasn't like they all were making the max amount of money that they possibly could. You know, they took some pay cuts to go win a couple championships. And so I think in the, yes, there might be more unique champions, but I think you have to be careful with that gener- like that generational talent thing because it, in, ba- in basketball, the generational talent makes a bigger difference than it does in baseball. As we see with the Angels and Shohei, because he's a great player. He's, as people say, the next Babe Ruth or is the you know, the next Babe Ruth. Uh, but you know, the angels don't, I have, they been to the playoffs since he's been on the team. I don't know. No, they haven't. But I think essentially what we're talking about here is smaller teams trying to hold on to their generational talent longer to stay competitive, which at that point is more of like a player franchise tag thing, which Shohei would have fit under if he wasn't internationally signed. So the way that that works is a, a, a player, after being drafted by a team and making it through their minor leagues, uh, has to spend six years of service time in the major leagues with their major league team before they are an unrestricted free agent to go sign wherever they want. But because Shohei Otani was internationally signed, that rule doesn't apply to him. So as soon as his first contract with the Angels is up, he's free to go sign anywhere. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I mean, to your point, the Angels, I mean, since, oh gosh, 2015, haven't been to the playoffs. And I think they lost three games real quick to the Royals and they were out of it early. 
Yeah, and they have Mike Trout too, right? So they have two. Yeah. They basically have two generational they, talents on yeah, their team and have can't win. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, you know, I, has has Trout ever been fully healthy since Shohei has kind of hit this peak where he's the best hitter and one of the best pitchers in baseball? Because for a while he wasn't. He was more pitching than he was hitting, right? Am, am I right in remembering that, or was it the other way around? I think Trout and Otani have gone through stretches where they have both been fully healthy and playing alongside each other, but there have been instances where one has been hurt and the other uh, has been healthy. Like the, they haven't both been healthy for an entire season, I don't think. I know Otani tore his UCL uh, and had to do Tommy John, which ate up a year of his contract easily, but I know that Trout has also had some. Uh, back issues as of late so yeah you hope that they can put it together but i just don't think they will because they're so poorly managed for sure well you know just just a good a good discussion good you brought a lot of things to light Picho. i really enjoyed that uh i have Dan, i have go. one more question yeah. regarding regarding salary stuff so obviously a lot of baseball too comes into your farm system like the talent that you're bringing up um is that 220 or whatever dollar amount you set, does that include contracts that you're paying the guys in the minors? Correct. Yeah, that's total payroll. So 230 okay. applies to the entire okay. club. You may be spending, if you're the New York Mets, $40 million on Justin Verlander this year, which is an absolute absurd amount. Uh, but it does contribute to uh, the total number when you're factoring in all of the low A ball, double A, triple A guys that you got on your roster as well. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, this that I mean that's crazy because I think if we look at like a team like Tampa, for instance, who I think has the number one farm system in the league, if not you know top five, you know how they've been able to kind of contend as of late, who might not necessarily have a generational talent. Like sure, like they have an ace every year, but I feel like you could point at any team in the MLB and say, oh, this guy is capable of being an ace um, on any roster. But having kind of the depth, kind of seeing those guys, like you said, Picho, that can come in and then spend six years in the majors, you invest in them when they're young. It isn't always necessarily based on draft position either. It's just, you know, who you're signing, how you're developing them. And there are certain teams like to give the Pirates credit, the one thing that they have started to fix is their farm system. Now, how they're bringing them to the majors and who they're picking to play is another argument. But I think it, it it's an interesting argument because we don't see that in any other sport, right? Like they, the Miami Heat don't have a you know a farm system where they're developing talent. I think it's more, um, you know, like you said, Nick, it, it's it's more important who you you know who those star players are on your roster because that's what's carrying you. Yeah. When some of these other teams that we see, like the Royals, came up, I'm sure that there were a couple of years where they were really investing in the minors and then pulled these guys up. They were on good contracts, team friendly deals. They hadn't you know, had the opportunity to go and shop themselves to other big teams. And that's really where we see kind of, you know, these smaller teams having an, uh, an opportunity to go deep in the playoffs and maybe even win a World Series. So I think that's just another interesting point to bring up. I didn't realize, I didn't know if it was included in that all overall number, if there was like a separate, yeah. separate. You know, no, that's good to know. Because I, I I think for the NBA, they do have G League teams, uh, but I want to say that the, their cap is separate. Like they have a different uh, amount for it. Uh, but... The Heat are one of the teams that get undrafted guys and find talent. So just be careful what you say about them, Dan. They're coming. Well, I'm just saying in basketball, you know, I mean, at least for me as a Pirates fan, like I'm way more invested in like who we draft and how they're g- progressing through the minors. Yeah. And then I get to see them play well for two weeks and then, and then they get know, traded. Disappear. Yeah. And so, then, oh, no. Like, yeah. One last thing I will add about that, like credit to JM for bringing up the owner being the invisible player on your team. 
uh, and uh, the GM essentially being this guy behind the curtain who's operating everything. Uh, so like as as great as the Pirates are at finding young talent and developing them, I think the owner and GM combination they have is is so poor at managing a roster that has talent that you never really see them do well. Like I'm sure they do have the money and they could spend north of $200 million if they were actually going after it and sign these big guys. But I think you've, I mean, with the, with the Oakland athletics and the Pittsburgh pirates, I think those two teams at the bottom of payroll constantly find themselves trading back in years, uh, hoping that five years down the line, eight years down the line, they have a competitive team and it just doesn't work out that way. Now, our owner's not, as much as he likes to say that we're worried about having a good baseball team, he's more concerned about his bottom line. And that's the that's the the issue because he's the one that's hiring the GM in the first place. So he's not going to hire someone that has a different perspective on him right. or on like how the team's managed. So like, yeah, I mean, it sucks. O'Neill Cruz is probably going to make a great Yankee. There's probably some other guys like, I don't know. But, but it is cool regardless of how my team is managed. Any team like the Cincinnati Reds can peak at the right time and then there's an option for them to go and bring in all of these free agents on teams that aren't playing well. Like any team could theoretically bring in a big name at the end, push for the playoffs and hopefully win a world series. So I love that aspect of baseball. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's unfortunate for you poor Pittsburgh fans. You, you got multiple people currently that at one point were on your roster, but have since been traded away essentially for nothing. Uh, as far as starting pitchers go, you acquired Chris Archer. You had Garrett Cole, had Tyler Glass now, have O'Neill Cruz right now. I mean, if we looked at a collective group of players that That's came bad. from Pittsburgh over the last five years, I think easily you have a competing team. It's just an unwillingness to to make good trades when they do present themselves and spend a little bit of money where it's warranted. I mean, it's well, I will say I want Pittsburgh to do well, but they're just not. I will say yes, of course. The tri- the Chris Archer trade. I can't tell you how excited I was that we acquired Chris Archer for Austin Meadows, and I mean, it was like, oh man, what we st- like we stole a great pitcher, and it was just a train wreck. Yeah, and then the put, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I will say that they did trade Andrew McCutcheon in his prime, and part of that of our uh, you know what we acquired from the Giants was Brian Reynolds. So that might be like you know the needle in a haystack. Every once in a while, blind squirrel finds a nut. So that might have been it, but. Um, yeah, no, it sucks. Yeah. I, I hope the nutting sells the team. I've been saying that ever since I was like seven years old. So maybe, <laughs> maybe it'll happen. Yeah. Maybe. Well, Peter, you're talking about trades. Uh, and I believe the trade deadline is two days from now. So is it the first, right? Uh, yeah. August 1st. That was a nice yeah. segue. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate anytime. when someone notices that. You are really good at segues, Nick. <laughs> I will give you that. Nice job. So, uh, you know, I want to know who are some teams to keep an eye on. It when this episode comes out, it'll be Monday, so it'll be you know a little less than a day before the trade deadline. Who are some teams to keep an eye on? You know, uh, maybe give me a prediction that might have already happened by Monday that we're not aware of. Uh, I don't know what kind of insider knowledge you have, but I know you have it, Picho. Yeah, uh, well, most of my insider knowledge comes from scouring the internet for other people who actually have inside knowledge. Um, <laughs> True. I, yeah, I know who it those counts. names are. I go and find them on Twitter, see what they've been saying recently. Um, But yeah, I think this year, more than any other year, I've been surprised by the amount of teams who are willing to blow it all up. Uh, So in baseball, you have this unique dynamic where every year when we get to this time of the year, teams evaluate themselves. And if they're not in it for the long haul, 
they look at the contracts that are expiring this year or next year uh, for some of their more talented players, and they look to ship those out so that they can get some value in return because they know that they aren't holding on to them long term. Uh, what I've been surprised by is St. Louis, uh, the New York Mets, and the Chicago White Sox. All of them have kind of indicated at this point that they are willing to blow it up um, and, and ship out some big names. Uh, Nick, I know that you're not a baseball fan, but I mean, more to Dan, like Nolan Arenado, I feel like is a pretty big name uh, to be brought up at this point in the year, but he's definitely on the market. You've got Eloy Jimenez over there in Chicago. I saw earlier that the Brewers were expecting uh, or not necessarily expecting to get him, but showing a lot of interest in him, uh, which, I mean, that piqued my interest because the Brewers like to shop out these contracts that uh, don't carry a lot of money to him, but carry a lot of talent. And so I think if Milwaukee lands Eloy Jimenez, that would be really good for them, not only from a contract perspective, but also from a playing perspective. I think he would help them a lot, fill in a, a power bat that they've been missing most of the year. Uh, but St. Louis, what a colossal disaster that has been. You've got uh, catcher Wilson Contreras, who's on the market. Uh, I just feel bad for Adam Wainwright, who's in the last year of his contract, and, yeah. and he's retiring yeah. after this year. And the team he came back to to try to win with is at the bottom of the division. Um, but, I mean, I would be interested to see if his name gets tossed out there, if they're willing to deal mm. him at least once. Um, but then you got... Uh, Aaron Hicks, no, not Aaron Hicks, Jordan Hicks is the pitcher that they got messed up the first name. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the guy throws about 106. It's ridiculous. Uh, but the Rangers, the Rangers want uh, Hicks there. Um, but yeah, just a lot of talent in St. Louis that they never quite figured out. Huh. It's It stinks because I obviously as a NL Central fan, I hate the Cardinals so much. Um but I am I am a little sad because I mean obviously Yachty retiring last year, Wayno like stuck a you know, tried to play another, I guess, you know, wanted to try one more shot. Um and there was so much hype around him, right? I mean, you talked about Hicks, but really all of their pitching. Um, they brought in Contreras and it just <laughs> fell apart. I'm trying not to laugh. But it's just it's it stinks for them for sure. I, I didn't even think that they would try to ship him out, but I mean Arenado I know they signed him for a lot. I don't know how team-friendly that is, but if they truly do move on, I mean, I guess regardless at the end of this year, they would probably have to blow it up anyways. Yeah. Um, the Brewers are interesting. They already signed Carlos Santana from the from the Pirates, um, who's batted really well this year. He's a solid first baseman. I don't know what their infield depth looks like, but I think, I think that's interesting because the Reds are still hanging in there for the division. So really, I mean, I don't know if the Reds are going to – go out and buy it doesn't seem like they they will yeah, yeah, um they might just try to to, to look at because uh yeah they they drafted jonathan india not too long ago a third baseman out of florida and he's been a phenomenal prospect for him uh last year uh he he was doing amazingly this year he he's been trending down just a little bit and for whatever reason the reds are willing to shop jonathan india figure out what they can get in exchange for him which again is just a weird trading back hoping for like a year two years in the future that they'll do something but you look at the nl central i feel like the time is now to try to win that one mm -hmm. yeah no agreed with that um if there's another team that you're looking at maybe in the american league um i mean i know we talked about the angels they you know they're not gonna move from shohei this year 
Um, do you see anyone else kind of making a splash, um, trying to maybe add another arm or something like that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, one quick thing about the Angels, because I, I can't say enough about it. Uh, they just, they're, <laughs> they're back in the wild card. They're far enough back in the wild card uh, for the entire AL East to be ahead of them right now. So if I were the GM, I would be shopping Otani. And I think it's unfortunate that he's not. But but do you see how, like, that stadium is filled? Yeah, I mean, yeah. if, if we're talking about this from a business perspective, like... You're not getting rid of I mean, the, the guy bringing people to the seats. Well, <laughs> I mean, you might, but, I mean, if they do, like, where does it... Where do you draw the line? I mean, I know there was, like, turmoil for all of the Japanese, you know, speaking reporters that literally, like, follow like their careers are just to live with Shohei. Um like how big of a market like LA is for the the baseball fans in Japan. Like I don't know. I mean, yeah, you might not win a World Series, but it's the worst thing in the world to have like arguably I don't mean I don't think it is an argument. I think he's the greatest baseball player that's ever lived. Yeah. Like, I mean, do you really try to shop him? I think they had an opportunity to this year while he's in his prime, while he's playing really well and they they said no. Yeah. I mean, guys, he's arguably the best pitcher in the league and the best hitter in the league right now. It's crazy. Simultaneously may take home the strikeout, uh, the strikeout championship this year uh, and break Aaron Judge's home run record this year, which is absolutely insane mm-hmm. to consider that some one person may do both. His contract is only worth $5 million this year. It's extremely team-friendly for the value <laughs> you're getting. I just, that is crazy. <laughs> I have a hard time looking at where the Angels are now, seeing that they're trying to be buyers and not shop Shohei to see what they get in return. Even if I were in Los Angeles and in a better position, I may still shop Shohei just to figure out what I can get in return. Uh, because yeah. somebody is definitely willing to overpay by a large margin. Well, is he? he is He's in the last year of his contract, right? Correct. Yeah. So they're so, losing him this year. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. He's not re-signing. So really, you're lo- like, I mean, unless he does re-sign, but I, I would doubt he's gonna re-sign with an organization that he will shows not. they can't win. So yeah. Yeah. It, I, He'll stay on the West Coast for sure. I mean, possibly, I don't think he goes possibly. east. Possibly. I don't know. It. It's definitely my bias playing into it. But don't be shocked when we're in January or February and the number comes out that he's signing with the Boston Red Sox because he's friends with Masataka Yoshida, who's already on the team. They won the world baseball classic together. He's already said he loves playing at Fenway park. It's definitely my bias playing into it. I hope it happens, but <laughs> that would be sweet. Yeah, be nice. I would love that. stand with the angels. Uh, but Dan, you asked a question about the American league and, and who I'm looking at to make a splash. I look at that American league West still, and I see Texas at the top and Houston right now, only two games behind that's a dogfight to take home number one and the person who loses that has to go through the wild card neither of those teams want to do that i recently read a couple interesting little insider tidbits uh that suggested that texas and houston right now are actually in a bidding war to land justin verlander from the new york mets which for either one of those teams would be amazing to boost their starting rotation uh you got justin verlander uh and his 40 million dollar contract he's still owed 15.9 of that Uh, and this goes back to our competitive uh plaques conversation that we just had uh verlander's contract at this point would put texas over the 233 threshold unless 
they were willing to pay enough in prospects for the Mets to be willing to eat uh, the the remaining salary of that contract. Yeah. So, I mean, Texas, if they land Verlander, are definitely going to overpay. If Houston lands Verlander, uh, watch out for them. As, as much as I dislike Houston, at this point, we have to acknowledge the fact that they are a good baseball team. And yeah. they have a former relationship with Verlander. He was with them when they made a playoff run in 2019, I believe. So it would be familiar stomping grounds for him. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, one, one last thing, because we're getting around that time that the episode ends at, but I need to know what do the Marlins need to do to, to claim the NL because they're good. I, you know, I, I said this at the last time, but they have a, a great record against everybody, but the Braves. Now that might not be as true after their losing streak from the last time I said it, but they still have a great record against everyone besides the Braves. So what do they need to do to either get over that hump or do they just need to pray that someone beats the Braves and then they have a fighting chance? Nick, I think that's exactly what you need to do. I love you. I love the the Miami Marlin colorway that they have. I love everything. Don't say that. <laughs> but, Nick, I just don't think any time within the next five or six years you could see the Miami Marlins claim the NL. Uh, if you look at the Atlanta Braves right now, the talent that they have on the roster uh, – and, and how long they had that talent signed through because of these team-friendly and player-friendly contracts that they've given out, I don't think you guys are going to claim the NL East for another five or six years. And even then, you're competing with uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, who still have Bryce Harper on the roster and still have Trey Turner, who admittedly is having a down year, but you can't expect that he's going to be a bad player for long. For sure. All right. Well, you know, I was just hoping, you know, there's, there's this magical air in the, in the, in South Florida, you know, we've seen it with two teams. I wouldn't be shocked if we see it with another two teams. I'm just going to no throw championships. it out there. Uh, but Hey, uh, Picho, <laughs> one last question. Uh, all the talk was on the Padres. I said on our last baseball uh, episode, or I guess our only baseball episode, if you <laughs> want to call it that, that I still thought the Padres have a chance. Do you think that the Padres sneak into the playoffs and make it interesting? They are exactly where you want to be. Um, or as far back as you would like to be at this point in the year. Uh, typically around the trade deadline, you want to see your team at worst seven to 10 games out because if you have all the pieces, you figure you could still make a run if you're that far out. Then uh, they're six games out, so they're a little ahead of that. I think depending on what they do over these next couple of days will determine a lot. If they hold on to some of their big pieces and they turn it around, look out because the Padres are coming. I think the title runs through San Diego if everybody puts it together. Um, but if they sell a couple pieces, I've heard Juan Soto's name thrown out again. I've seen Blake Snell tossed around, which is, I mean, he's having a phenomenal year. They could definitely get a lot of value for him, and he's not signing back with them next year because his contract expires. But if they sell a couple pieces, I think we're looking at a pretty quick turnaround for San Diego from being a really good team to a, a pretty bad team and, and one that you could stomp on to get a couple extra wins on your record. All right. Good insight. I love it. I love, I love that you know all this about the trade deadline and all these interesting moving pieces. Uh, I'll be interested to see who actually moves by uh, either Monday or Tuesday. Uh, but I think that's going to bring us to the end of this second baseball talk. 
may, there will probably be a third because this was enjoyable. We I have to say. no, we have to agree here and now while John Michael is on a cruise, <laughs> we have to have a playoff baseball we preview. We of course will. I don't care if it happens around football. It needs to be. Yeah, we'll just about. cut a football episode short. John Michael, you'll be okay. I'm sure you're going to listen to this and think, what did they just agree to? It's going to be okay. You don't even uh, have to cut it short. You could just do a small little 15 minute Picho and review. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> that would be awesome. Picho, do you want to start a baseball podcast? What? No. <laughs> no, no, no. We can't, can't create another pod. I mean, you could, I guess, but. It's the What's Up Doc Podcast Network. Come on. Oh we got to expand, gosh. man. The yeah, What's Up Doc Podcast it Network. It's a brand. I love it. Podcast name. There That's you go. Right. I right. like it. Uh, who knows? Maybe in the future there will be sub podcasts of What's Up Doc. But for now, that brings us to the end of this episode. So go ahead and say bye, guys. So long, yeah. friends. <laughs>